my coach literally said, you can't be a part of this photo shoot because girls like you shouldn't be taste testing ice cream. And he sent me back into the gym to train by myself unsupervised. My coach has Olympic medals himself. So I thought whatever this man tells me is correct. Welcome to the Tenno Podcast by Train Like a Gymnast, a podcast for formerly competitive gymnasts, dancers, and cheerleaders to come together as a community to realize their potential. Together, we go farther. My name's Danielle Gray, and I'm the founder of Train Like a Gymnast, here to help you become the best version of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally. On Tenno, I sit down with Olympians, Cirque du Soleil artists, former elites and collegiate athletes, stunt performers, and fitness professionals to show you that you're not alone. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us today on the 10 podcast. So thank you for having for, me. Yes, absolutely. You are a member of our T-Live team. And I think that's just how I met you was through Instagram and, and Megan and the SM stretching kind of family. So mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know who Andrea is, she had a full ride scholarship for gymnastics at Illinois State University. She was their head choreographer, assistant coach, assistant recruiting coordinator. And she has been a JO level three to 10 head coach. And she's now a stretch and flexibility instructor. And we've had her kind of involved with train like a gymnast. And she's actually going to be teaching our new stretch like a gymnast online course with Megan Layler. So we're super excited about that. She teaches flexibility, conditioning, hand balancing, and then artistic gymnastics. So for those of you who are not familiar with her, go follow her at Andrea Oris. And she's got a really interesting story for us today. So Give us a little bit of background about your gymnastics history. What what is your experience? What was your athletic upbringing? So as a gymnast, I grew up in the Dallas area. I went to Woga, a really famous gym. I had really good coaches. I did elite there for one year, and then I dropped back down to level 10 and I kind of actually lost track of how many seasons I competed level 10. I think like four or five seasons. I made it to JO Nationals twice. I ended up getting a full ride to Illinois State University, like you already said. I had the absolute time of my life at ISU. That was probably my favorite gymnastics experience was those four years. I got athlete of the year my senior year at ISU. It was just, yeah, really fun time for me. And then after I graduated, I got into coaching. Yeah, I was coaching level three through 10. Like you said, I had an athlete actually get a full ride to Illinois State that I coached. So that was just the best. Um, Full circle. (laughs) And then I also was the head choreographer and an assistant coach at ISU for three seasons before moving to LA, where I'm still coaching at the club level now and then doing stretching and flexibility classes, like you mentioned. So. There's my little story. (laughs) Yes, I love it. I love it. So with now getting kind of involved with training like a gymnast and the T-Life team, what's that experience been like for you? Because it's not really, it doesn't exist elsewhere. Yeah, it's been so cool. And I said this to you before, I'm 32 years old now, and I really wished I would have found a community like you've created right when I would have graduated. I felt, and I think a lot of gymnasts feel that way too, when they're done with their gymnastics career, they feel very lost. They go through this identity crisis of what do I do now? I've truly dedicated my entire life to this sport and this sport only. And now I feel like I don't have any other skills and there's nothing to do with it. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I did, I got into coaching because again, I kind of 
graduated and I was like, even though I had a degree in something totally separate, I was still like, uh, I still feel like I only know how to do gymnastics. Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> so, yeah, I started teaching it and coaching it and it was, you know, it's been fun and I've made a career out of it. And I just recently got into the stretching and flexibility training. You know, obviously I've been doing those stretches for over two decades now, right. teaching them to kids for over 11 years, but I just started teaching it to adults, which is how I found you and this community yeah. with Train Like a Gymnast in October of last year of 2019. So that's been completely different too. I love teaching adults gymnastics. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that they get the same excitement out of getting a new skill as little kids getting a new skill. So yep, yep. yeah, it's been really fun. I love that's it. exactly <laughs> it. Well, it's so good to hear because adults are just big kids. Yes. So it's not like you're, you're, <laughs> Especially when you're learning it just brings out the kid in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so fun to teach people something that they never thought they could do or they thought they were too old to do. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can mm-hmm. still train like a gymnast. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole, exactly. the whole concept. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I know our conversation on this originally started with the release of Netflix's new documentary, mm-hmm. Athlete A. So before we get into how that affected you and your opinion on it, what is your opinion of the ingrained gymnastics culture and with what's happening today? What are your uh-huh. thoughts and feelings about what has been Ooh. and how the conversation that's I happened? have a lot of thoughts and feelings on it. <laughs> um, you sure? know, I love gymnastics so much and I think there's so many people out there that love gymnastics so much. But unfortunately, the culture behind getting to be a high-level gymnast is really, really dark. And before I go into my personal story of what was dark for it about me, I do want to just give credit to the really good coaches out there that are making a difference and they're doing it the right way. And I do believe that it's possible to do it in a healthy way. So not knocking on any of them, not gymnastics as a sport, but yes, the culture in USA Gymnastics and people from other countries now coming out after Athlete A, it's really bad and it needs to be fixed. So there's just this kind of unspoken culture in gymnastics that in order to reach a really, really high level, the coaches need to absolutely have total control over the athletes. I strongly disagree with this. I think it's not true. I was raised in that environment at my gym. When I trained, my coach wouldn't even always give me corrections on my gymnastics or talk about it a lot, but he talked to me about my weight and my body every single day, all practice long. And, you know, we start getting those talks from those coaches when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you're in very formative years. So you don't know your body yet. You don't know that that's maybe not right. You know, and my coach has Olympic medals himself. He's an Olympic champion gymnasts he's coached were world champions and Olympic gold medalists. So I thought whatever this man tells me is correct. I was not going to question him. So we have this culture that's focused so much on control, on body weight, and these coaches really think that this is the only way. And I just really want to challenge that (laughs) and just say like, you can have high level kids that don't have to be homeschooled. They can train four or five hours a day, and I would argue maybe even less than that, and still get full-ride scholarships. They can not have to miss their prom. They can go to a football game on a Friday night if they want. They can go to a concert. It's fine with me. They can go on a week-long vacation with their family. (laughs) It's crazy because a lot of coaches ingrain these little children, because that's what they are, children, to think that these things are bad things and they're not allowed to do it. 
And if they do make the choice to go to that football game, then now they don't care about their gymnastics and they don't deserve to be coached. Yep. So yeah, it's just a really poisonous environment and it's been going on for decades and decades and decades. I hope I kind of haven't gotten off track of your original question, which I don't even remember what it was at this point. <laughs> it was your thoughts um, and opinions and you're sharing them. Tell us how you really feel. No, I mean, <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> no, going into, like, I'll, I'll give you some more guidance. So mm-hmm. with those thoughts and feelings, now how did Athlete A specifically affect you? What memories did it bring up for you? And how, how mm-hmm. did that documentary mm-hmm. trigger you to put a post out there and get incredible mm-hmm. feedback? Right. So I'll just say what I said in the post for reference for anyone listening that didn't see my post. My story was about the gym I went to in Texas. I posted pictures that I know you can't see right now, but the first one was just of me now. I'm 32 years old. I'm a tiny person, but I even have a hard time today as a 32 year old saying I'm a tiny person. I'm five foot zero and I weigh like 110 pounds. And there's still days where I feel like I'm too big. The second photo was one of me when I was about 15 years old and I'm absolutely ripped, jacked. Like you can see an eight pack on my stomach and it's actually kind of gross looking how ripped I am. And I just want to emphasize that in that picture, when my body looked like that, I was being told on a daily basis that my gymnastics skills weren't good because of my body. No corrections on my technique, just my body. And then the third picture I posted was some of my teammates who did a photo shoot that day. They, we were approached, our gym was approached by a local magazine. The city of Dallas was opening a new ice cream store and they wanted to do a play on the term banana splits. So they had all these cute little gymnasts doing the splits, holding up banana splits, and it was cute. My coach literally specifically came to me and said, you can't be a part of this photo shoot because girls like you shouldn't be taste testing ice cream. And he sent me back into the gym to train by myself unsupervised. And so when my friends were taking pictures for a magazine, I was by myself, you know, obviously not a safe situation that I'm training alone. Right. And then the rest of the photos were pictures of text that I wrote. And it was one story that I was reminded of when I watched the documentary Athlete A. It was when I was like 13 years old. I was training in the gym. I felt really sick that day. I had a stomach ache. We were doing trampoline first. And, you know, sometimes if we asked to go to the bathroom, we would be like, well, do you really have to go? Or it would be a rule like you have 60 seconds to go to the bathroom and be back. You better not be trying to skip turns. So I did ask to go to the bathroom because I was like, okay, I don't know if I have to like throw up or if I need to use the restroom. I don't know what's going on with my stomach, but I'm going to try to go to the bathroom. So I went, I tried, I didn't go. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I came back and I continued practice. And by this time we moved on from trampoline to the rod floor and we were doing double pikes, which it's a really heavy tumbling skill. You're not throwing back tucks on a trampoline. You've got to go hard. Every turn I took, my stomach was just hurting more and more. And my mentality was, okay, does my stomach actually hurt? Or is this in my brain? Am I making this up? Am I faking it because I don't like tumbling? I'm not really sure. I don't know. Right. So I just kept going and going because I was also scared if I asked to go to the bathroom a second time or if I said that my stomach hurt that I was going to get in trouble and told that I was faking. Right. So I just kept going and I took a turn. I walked back. I barfed all over the floor. I just vomited on the ground and I looked up and my coach looked at me and he goes, I am not cleaning that up. And then he walked away. 
So again, I'm just 13 years old at this point. I'm a little kid and I just threw up on the floor and it was really embarrassing. Right. And so I just walked to the bathroom. I got some paper towels. I didn't know where we kept other cleaning supplies. I, I cleaned up the puke. My coach said, hey, your mom's going to be here to come get you soon. I was like, okay. I cleaned it up. I sat in the lobby and I waited for her to get there. And then I went home. My mom was like, what happened? I was like, oh, my stomach hurts. My coach told me to go home. That was all I told her. So it didn't seem weird to my mom that maybe I wasn't being cared after. I went home. I threw up the rest of the day. I was really sick. I had a flu. My dad ended up getting the flu. He stayed from home from work for like a week. And I went back to practice the very next morning. Again, because if you skip practices, it's like you get ridiculed. You're accused of faking it. Or even if you're not faking it and you do come back, your assignments when you come back are way harder. It's just way more conditioning, way more assignments, way more routines. And I'm like, I'm scared to miss because I don't want my practice to be more difficult than it already is. Right. So I just went back and, you know, my first day back, it wasn't, I, I missed less than 24 hours of practice. And I, I literally puked in front of my coach and I l- missed maybe 12 hours of practice. And that was just normal. Even when I came back the next morning, it wasn't, hey, I know you got really sick yesterday. Do you need to take it easy this practice? Nothing like that. It's just hop right back in. So that was the story I wrote about. And again, I know I've said my age so many times, but I feel like it's significant because I am 32 years old. I'm a grown woman and I was still really, really scared to make that post because I was still scared of backlash I would get or people coming and being like, well, he coached me too. or I worked with him at this clinic or I saw him make this video or he had this gymnast that was really successful. So you're probably lying but I'm not lying. And I'm really glad now in hindsight that I posted because I had so many former teammates Mm -hmm. reach out in private messages and just be like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Like I've had the same thoughts. I've had the same feelings. A lot of this to these now grown women have blocked out of their head and kind of forgot it happened to them until now, until seeing a post like my post or until seeing athlete A and hearing that story. And they're like, oh my God, this happened to me too. And I really didn't even know. I kind of felt it deep down inside, but I wasn't really sure. I had a girl reach out telling me how when she was nine or 10 years old, she was so sick the whole week that she didn't practice, but we had our state meet. And our coach was like, I know you're sick, but if you don't compete at state, it's like this whole year of your life was an entire waste of your time. Saying Mm -hmm. that to like a nine-year-old, a third grader, Mm -hmm. and she ended up competing. She didn't warm up her events for any of that meet, but she just sat in the back gym and drank Pedialyte the whole meet and then came out only when it was her turn to compete, competed. This girl still meddled (laughs) because she was so talented. But when she meddled climbing up to the podium, she slipped because she was blacking out. She couldn't see. Mm. She busted her shin and there was blood running down her leg. And she got up and received her medal with blood on her leg as a third grader. And the, our coach commended her for that and said, I'm really proud of you that you didn't look down at the blood. Mm. So this behavior is not only being reinforced, but praised. You're telling these little girls, good job. Yeah. You're not telling anyone about your injury or acting like you're hurt. It's yeah. a really dangerous thing that you're doing to these kids and training their brains that this is good. This is a good thing. It's not good. Yeah. She should have skipped the state meet. 
Yeah. And not meddled that year. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she could have really gotten hurt. Yeah. So, so again, I feel like I keep going on tangents and no, not it's good. answering your question, but questions. I have multiple questions. So the first yeah. question is, okay, so when you got in the car after you puked that night to tell your mm -hmm. mom, why didn't you tell your mom? So, time? you know, there's, again, in the culture of gymnastics, there's this mentality of only gymnasts understand what you're going through. It's truly like an entirely different world that is separate from the real world. And you're very manipulated and you're very brainwashed mm -hmm. to believe that other people will not understand. And no matter what you tell them, even if they tell you what you're telling them is bad or it's abuse, that they are wrong and they don't get it. Mm -hmm. And I have grown up to understand that that's not true. There's not a gymnastics world and a real world. There is one real world that we all live in and we are all a part of. Mm -hmm. And that's still going on. That is still going on in USA Gymnastics today, right now, and, and in other gyms internationally as well. It's just this mentality of this is the gymnastics world. No one else gets to touch it or be a part of it, and they don't get it. So don't talk to them about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to your coach about it. Right. I'm the only one. And so you get into this very, very dangerous situation where you're now thinking that your parents are wrong and thinking that you can't tell your parents things. And you're a child. You're a minor. Okay, so let's imagine you got in the car and you told your mom, my stomach was hurting, but I was afraid to tell my coach because he would have thought I was faking it. So I just, so I just kept going and I ended up puking. What would she have said? I feel like there's a few ways that could have gone. I don't want to speak for all coaches. I do feel like in my particular situation, my coach would have manipulated my mother to think that I was wrong. And I'm saying that because there was a time when I was 14 that I really wanted to quit gymnastics because, you know, I thought I didn't love the sport anymore, but it turns out I just didn't love my coach in my environment. Yep. But I told my parents, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And they were like, okay, let's have a meeting with your coach and tell them that you want to quit. And I'm like, okay, cool. I wasn't in that meeting. It was my mom and dad and my coach. From the feedback I got from my parents, my coach told my parents, it's really normal that Andrea is feeling this way at this age and at this level. When the kids reach level 9, 10 elite, a lot of them want to quit because it's really hard. When the kids reach age 14, 15, 16, they want to quit because it's really hard. So he was like, her feeling like this is very normal. And as her parents, you just need to help her get over this hump. And once she's over it, she's going to want to keep doing the sport and stay in it. And so their stance was now, okay, we need to push her through this. That's the good thing to do as her, her parents is to help her reach her goals. Mm. When my parents left, my coach approached me individually and said, how dare you? How could you do this to your parents? By the way, on this particular team was on, we were required to homeschool to be on this team. We weren't allowed to go to homeschool. I couldn't drive yet. I didn't have a license. So he brought up the argument of, your parents are driving you to and from practice four times a day in the morning, in the afternoon, back in the late afternoon, then pick you up in the evening. They're paying all this money for you. They're making so many sacrifices of money and time and rides. The least that you could owe them is a college scholarship. How dare you quit on your parents? So I'm like, oh, I'm not allowed to quit. And I can never tell my parents again, I want to quit because my parents don't deserve that. 
he painted a completely different story to my parents and to me. So we both weren't communicating to each other about it. Right. We were being told different things. So that's how things like that happen. Yeah. You know, you're both manipulated. So the fact that you, if you had told your mom that, she would have gone to your coach is what I think she might have gone to my coach. Yeah. Either that or honestly though, if it was like a one time thing, maybe she wouldn't have because it's Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard as a parent because children are children. Their brains aren't fully developed. We know this. So you got to take a lot of things that they say with a grain of salt. She might have been like, oh, Andrea was perceiving something he said differently yeah. than what I'm sure he meant. Because, yeah. you know, also, you're not going to assume <laughs> yeah. that a grown man is going to watch a child throw up and then walk away from her and tell her it was gross. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty unbelievable if you didn't see it with your own two eyes. Yeah. So she might have drawn a different conclusion. I don't know. I don't right. know. Right. So that kind of leads me into, all right, so now if any parents are listening mm-hmm. and you know, maybe they are now hip to this knowledge or they know what's going on. What could they have done or what could your parents have done or what could these parents do if their kid says something like that? And they know that these high level coaches might be trying to manipulate their thoughts. What would the ideal situation be Mm -hmm. if that happened to curb the abuse? Mm -hmm. So I honestly don't think me talking about that situation in that time would have necessarily made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I think it's noticing small patterns over time. One thought that I just used to have internally when I was going through this when I was younger is how do my parents not notice how much I've changed before all of this treatment? I was just a really hyper, silly, happy, crazy little kid. I was running around all the time laughing, being goofy. Like I was always just kind of weird. And then after a couple years, I was really quiet. I was really reactive and irrational. I just changed. My personality changed. And that's not something that happens overnight. So it's hard to identify as a parent. You know, they just, and they started kind of thinking, what's wrong with her. They started thinking it's just her being a teenage girl going through puberty. So what maybe my parents could have done differently in in hindsight, of course, I don't blame them for this at all. Right. In hindsight, maybe go and watch a couple practices. And then poses of those gyms that don't allow parents. That's what I was actually just exactly about to say. You read my mind, which sometimes is discouraged. Some gyms literally have rules of the parents only allowed to watch once a week for one hour, which may be a red flag for those parents. You should be able to walk in and see your child whenever mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. If you're paying these gyms hundreds of dollars a month, especially. Yeah. So yeah, maybe come see a practice or two, see what it looks like, be in constant communication with your kid. And But again, that's a catch-22 as well, because the kid's not always going to tell you what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'll just circle back to my original answer of look for patterns. If you see a personality shift in your child and you're kind of confused about it, dig deep into that gut feeling that I think something's wrong with my kid. Mm-hmm. My kid didn't used to be a brat and now she acts like a huge brat. Why? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because she's really, really hurting yeah. emotionally. So if you had a daughter, what would you want her to do in practice? And then what would you do? Mm -hmm. 
Would you pull her from that gym? Uh, well, you know, I've gone so far back and forth of if I would ever let my daughter do gymnastics because yeah. it brought so many positives right. into my life. Right. But also so many negatives that if I could go back and do it again, my answer is no, I would not. I just wouldn't. I think first and foremost, you need to do your research about your gym before you enroll your kid. And this is very, very extensive research. This isn't look at a couple reviews online because usually typically parents aren't going online and saying, oh, my kid had a really severe eating right. disorder <laughs> at the right. hands of this abusive coach. <laughs> right, right. It's usually about the facility. If it's clean, if my kid's rec coach was nice. Right. So if you can get that information, if you're friends maybe with a parent of a kid, I don't know. It's, it's just so hard to say, but I think it's so important that you research what kind of gym you're putting your kid in. Don't research the results. If they have a bunch of elites or level 10s, that doesn't mean right. your kid's going to get treated fairly or right. that they're going to be an elite or level 10. Yeah, right. So then how now would the kids, like let's say we have listeners or a mom and a daughter who's listening, mm -hmm. or someone in high school or college who is in gymnastics right now, how do they stand up to their coach and have a voice and be heard mm -hmm. in a respectful way? I would try to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the coach. I would definitely try to have an adult present so that there's full transparency, because a lot of these coaches say different things to the parent than they do to the child, which is very inappropriate in my opinion. And you know, even if you do that, even if you do it the right way, you're not always going to get honest answers. And again, looking for those patterns, if you're in constant communication and you're not seeing a change, I would move gyms. And I know that seems really hard and really scary because most of the time you've been at that gym several years and that's all your kid knows. Mm -hmm. But do you want to make your kid happy short term, letting them stay with their friends at that gym? but being potentially abused when in the long term they might have a much happier, healthier income if they go to a better gym. Just it's such a, it's such a hard question because I don't have a perfect answer. Right. And I really wish I did. Yeah. And um, if any of you are listening, have ideas and answers, create yeah, please tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you have the ability to create change, like that's what we want. So how can survivors of this abuse regain their confidence and a healthy perspective towards themselves and towards gymnastics? So like, mm -hmm. how have you, you're still working through it, but come full circle mm -hmm. to want to be involved with the sport again, or how can mm -hmm. you feel confident about yourself and, and align with your body and the fact that you are talented and this and that, and kind mm -hmm. of start to erase those belief systems. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about it, like we are now and like my post has really been helpful for me and coaching has been very therapeutic for me mm -hmm. in the sense that it's been very painful because I'll see kids doing certain things that I used to do. And it reminds me of an instance when I was doing that same thing. Yep. And then I think of how my coach responded to me and I'm like, yeah. whoa, that was really inappropriate. But it's been helpful for me in that I can identify those specific situations and go, yeah. oh, the way my coach treated me in that situation was very wrong because now I'm in his shoes and I'm looking at my little girl doing the same thing that I did. Mm -hmm. And I would never say something like that to her. And now I know how to help her in the right way. So just coaching it and literally seeing it before my very, very own eyes going, oh, that was really messed up Yeah, has been helpful in me healing and knowing, oh, 
that wasn't me. That wasn't my fault. That was not a me issue. That was my coach being crazy, <laughs> very crazy. So yeah, that's nice. Just letting it, it's playing out right in front of me, you know, right. and I can just identify good versus bad. And so you're identifying these things now. So how can coaches, and we talked about this, how can coaches still develop talented, respectful, hardworking, mm-hmm. and successful athletes without being taken advantage of or being the nice coach or constantly coaching in fear that they're going to get accused? Because mm-hmm. I know some male coaches mm-hmm. who are no longer wanting to coach gymnastics, even though they love it and they're good at it because they yeah. don't want to be accused. Yeah. It's a really fine line to walk and it's scary. I actually sometimes get accused by being too nice of a coach. Mm. I need to work on that. I need to be more stern, but in my mind, I kind of justify it by like, well, I'd rather a kid disrespect me and me be too nice than the kid perceive me <laughs> as, mm. or not perceive me as abusing them, but like a kid feel abused by me. <laughs> right, right. I never want my kids to ever have to feel the way I felt. Like they can't talk to me or they're scared of me or they're too big or their body's not good or they're stupid or slow, like whatever. Mm-hmm. I do feel like being in constant communication with your athletes though is key. My gymnasts that have been the most quote unquote successful, depending on how you define success, my highest level kids that have gotten scholarships or made it to nationals, I'm in constant communication with those kids and I know a lot about their outside life. And mm-hmm. that really helps me as a coach understand what drives them to be a better gymnast. It's not because I need to know what they're doing or I really care, but I'm like, oh, okay, these types of things get this kid's blood boiling. So if blood boiling maybe wasn't the rest, <laughs> that's like kind of like, you know, I it's like anger. It's not, but okay, like what sets this it kid on fire more is what I meant. Okay. For, for certain kids, they're super, super talented and this is like their outlet and they don't have to try super hard and they don't really want to be pushed. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to coach you at this pace then. Some kids like this is all they have that really makes them happy and they want to reach a high level no matter what. And they're okay if I push them until they have rips on their hands. And I'm like, okay, I know that you're comfortable being pushed that way. So I'm going to communicate with you constantly, make sure it's okay. And then if we get to that point where you're like super fatigued, then I'm going to put my foot down as the adult and be like, okay, we need to stop. But I know I can take you to that point. Yes. Not all kids can do that. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, you have to learn who the kids are outside of practice, who they are as human beings first besides gymnasts mm-hmm. and coach them based off of that. I just think that's so, so, so important. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of deal. I coach so many kids so differently. Right, right. So you're coaching the individual, mm-hmm. not the group as one mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what still needs to be done in the sport of gymnastics? Oh, man, that's another such hard question. The kids need to have way more autonomy, in my opinion, They need to have more choices. They need to know the rules of the code and what are their choices. And it is a fine line because like you said, they are young kids and to an extent, they need to be pushed and quote unquote forced to do certain things or else they'll never do it. Because at the end of the day, like gymnastics is really scary. Yeah. Flipping backwards on a four inch beam is really scary. And if sometimes if you don't force it, they're not going to do it. Yeah. But when do you stop? 
when is it going too far as a coach? That's again, we're all circle back to knowing the athlete better and asking them, Hey, what's too much for you? Mm -hmm. When do I need to stop? What are you comfortable with? Yeah. And it's considered like taboo for the coaches to ask the kids those questions. Right. Having one practice where you do maybe a worksheet like that and it's like at the end of practice and you all do it and everybody's on their own mat spread out across the gym and they're in their own minds Mm -hmm. because they're, they're still, most of them are still students, right? So Mm -hmm. they're in Mm -hmm. that like, oh, worksheet, I have an assignment type of thing and they'll, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the coach takes it home after practice Mm -hmm. and looks through each individually. Mm -hmm. The relationship between coach and athlete, I think, needs to be viewed so much more as a partnership and a team Mm -hmm. than a dictatorship like it is right now. Again, it's the mentality that the coaches have complete control over these athletes, and it's insane. Mm -hmm. And then the parents, they bow down to it because they genuinely believe that this is what's helping my kid. And they're, they're trained to believe this is what you need to do in order to help your kid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches out there that are listening to this might totally disagree with me and just be like, okay, Andrea, now I'm not going to be able to get anything done. Like, thanks a lot. And that's a healthy like conversation that I would hope to have with some coaches and maybe we can come to an agreement. But I just think coaches have way too much control over the parents and the kids. And yeah, and it makes the kids scared to ask questions and it makes the parents scared to ask questions. Right before I did this podcast, I was actually talking with the mom of a former athlete I used to coach. She moved states, but she comes to me a lot for advice, asking me how to ask her daughter's coach Mm -hmm. about her kids' gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's so sad to me that you feel like you can't ask your daughter's coach about your daughter. Yeah. Why? Why not? It's crazy. And this mom is also by no means in the wrong or sensitive. She's a very rational, intelligent woman, but she's like, I don't want to screw my kid. Mm Mm-hmm by asking the coach too many questions. So yeah, I don't think it should just be like, well, I'm the coach and you're going to do this because I'm your coach and I said so. Right. If it's a safety issue, that's different. Well, yes. if I'm, I'm the adult there. I'm the one instructed with caring for this child in this amount of time and they're doing something unsafe. Yeah, I'm going to put my foot down and be like, no, you can't do that. I am your coach and I'm telling you you can't. Yeah. That's totally different. Like my coach but if said, it's just if we like climb like a, the top of the rope and we yeah. – let go of our arms and we fall down to the mm-hmm. you know non-existent mm-hmm. shirt and hyperextend our elbow and break it the other direction you know mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you give a story and mm-hmm. you give proof that kind of thing mm-hmm. no absolutely i agree with that 100 yeah but you know if, if the kids like listen i don't want to do this certain skill either because a i'm terrified of it b it's giving me so anxi- as much anxiety thinking about the skill that i think about it when i'm at home and i can't sleep at night and i think about it when i'm trying to do my homework yep I'm not going to force that kid to do that skill anymore. I don't care. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. your life is more important to me yeah. than you doing your backhand spinning layout on the high beam. It just yeah. is. Yeah. Then you just get resourceful and you think something different. We weren't allowed to do, I, I really wanted to do a gainer dismount or a front tuck, front full something, mm-hmm. some kind of dismount on beam. But no, we had to work round offs because round offs lead to something. Right. And I'm like, I don't technically well, now I'm too old and I'm not going to the Olympics. So well, <laughs> and I, I work at college and I see them doing this all the time. So why can't I train them? Yeah. We're not allowed to. Then I was crap. Which is so important to what we were saying earlier. Yeah. Maybe your coach needed to ask you like, Danielle, what are your goals in this sport? 
Yeah. Because if you were like, mm-hmm. I want to be a D1 college gymnast and I'm willing to do what I need to do to get there, maybe mm-hmm. it would have made sense for your coach to be like, okay, then you're going to really need this dismount with the round off. I know it's scary, but let me help you get it anyway. Or let's commit to trying it for one season. And if it still doesn't work, we'll move on to a front dismount. Yeah. Whatever. But I think from my conversations with you, you were a level eight, right? Yeah. In your situation, it makes no sense to have forced you to do that. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why couldn't you do a gator dismount? Yeah. If your end goal was going to be to be level eight, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Cool. You could have done gainers and it would have been <laughs> fine. And it would have saved you a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so frustrating, but we still love this sport. Right. Right. It's just, it's so weird. And I know people listening are feeling the same emotions. It's like, I hate it, but I love it so much. Mm -hmm. And, and Mm -hmm. so, I mean, this is, and we can go into anything else that you want to share, but usually the last question that I ask everybody who comes on is what does it mean to you to train like a gymnast? Mm -hmm. So my answer on that question honestly has evolved so much throughout the years in the (laughs) stage of life that I'm in right now. It's just about getting confidence in yourself and in your body and what is your mission through gymnastics training. It's not letting gymnastics be your identity or your self-worth, which is gets very easy to slip into. Yeah. You know, I started these stretching and flexibility classes again recently with adults and I love I love teaching adults cuz like you said they get that childlike excitement as if they were a little kid learning these skills for the first time. And I'm just like, okay, if I can make you feel that way, if I can make you find that happiness and confidence in yourself, because I helped you get lower down in your split, Mm -hmm. whether you're 10 or 12 or 18 or 32 or 35, that makes me happy. And that to me is what training like a gymnast is building confidence in yourself, finding your purpose, finding your worth, through gymnastics, but not in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners or that you? Uh, you know, just this is an uphill battle changing the culture of gymnastics, but I really think that we're in a good place. I think we're finally, after decades and decades, really doing it the right way and making changes. I don't want anything I said to scare people away from gymnastics. Gymnastics is one of the most beautiful things I've ever done. I love gymnastics so much. And I hope that I can just help guide people that share that passion with me mm-hmm. and inspire other coaches and gymnasts and parents just yeah. to do it the right way and just show people that it can be done in a healthy way. It's not impossible. We can do it. It's hard yeah. work. It's communication. It's heart, but we can do it. <laughs> we can all together. Oh, thank you so much for thank everything. You. That was one of my most favorite conversations. And I think oh. it's amazing to end season three with this conversation and kind of leave it open-ended for people to discuss. Mm-hmm. Or like, what, what do you want to hear mm-hmm. in season four in the future? What mm-hmm. needs to happen now? And for those of you who now know your story and want to support you and learn from you and have you as their coach, I cannot wait until Stretch Like a Gymnast comes uh-huh. out. So when this I'm episode so excited. comes out, <laughs> we're filming it soon. When you hear this episode, it'll be available at a few weeks later. So we'll have a wait list for your interest. And how else can people in the meantime, get coaching from you, follow you and support you? So I put most of my info out there through my Instagram page. It's just my first and last name, no spaces, nothing. It's Andrea Oris. 
A-N-D-R-E-A-O-R-R-I-S. I do IG live classes for stretching, just super basic full body. But then if you want me to make an individual program for you, I do do private lessons. If you're in the LA area, I can do it in person. If you're not close to me, I can do Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. So yeah, get my email information or my Instagram and direct message me on Instagram. If you're interested in working together, I would love to, or just even not working together, but telling me your gymnastic story and talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll put it in the show notes. So if you're awesome. listening to this and you cannot figure out how to type it or what she said, or you missed it, it will be in the show notes. So you can click on it and find her with that. I want to thank you so much for listening and please Leave us a review for the whole season if you've listened to it. Let us know how you liked the episodes, what you didn't like, what you want to hear, and who you want to hear from in season four. You can email us at team at Trey McAgymnast or leave a review for us and we'll, we'll see it either way. Thank you so much for listening all season. I hope you have a wonderful day. Until next time, train with purpose. Want to win a free coaching session from me? If you've loved everything you've heard in this episode or love 10.0 in general, we want to hear from you, and we may even feature you in a future episode. So all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, screenshot that review, and then send it to team at trainlikeagymnast.com. That's team at trainlikeagymnast.com to be entered. If you win, we'll contact you to schedule your session.